right, welcome back to the program, 19 minutes to one. That's our time right here on IFM. We're still with Misha Fikalomo giving you African perspective, getting to know Africa, talking everything African right here. And uh, on the line is uh, Professor Prof. Simpiwe Sesanti, who is an associate professor at UNISA's Institute for African Renaissance. Uh, I was asking here, um, when we say that we Africans are one, what is it that brings us together since each African state has its own cultures and traditions? Well, um, you see, um, the, the origins, uh, to begin with, of the African people are one. Yes. Um, and so having said that, therefore, uh, it says that it is our culture mm. uh, that makes us one people. There is a lot of emphasis by those who speak about African people who always concentrate on what they refer to yes. as diverse cultures yes. within the African continent. Mm. And yet, you know, what they tend to uh, ignore or neglect um, is the fact that there is a lot that is common. In yes. fact, Pitikantuli, uh, you know, does say that uh, we don't have diversities as such. Yes. Other than that, we have variations of the same. Mm. And I condemn and subscribe to that view. Now, let us begin by identifying what is it. Uh, let us be particular mm. and not generalize. Okay. Um, to begin with, um, historically, in the African continent, the African people believe in of the supreme being. Yes. Um, that is the first point. The second thing is that uh, the African people throughout the African continent mm. believe in what we refer to as ancestor reverence okay. and what has been misnamed by those who come outside the continent um, as uh, ancestor worship. Mm. The African people historically have what they refer to as their own form of democracy that they refer to as consensus. Mm. Um, you know, um, which has got nothing to do with unanimity or unanimism. Because, you know, as Pame Geke, our philosopher, says that, um, you know, consensus is preceded by dissensus. Mm. And so the last one, uh, when you examine the African continent, you will see that we've got a one a notion of what constitutes the or a family. Mm. Um, for us, the African people, you know, we do not confuse a household mm. um, with the family. When we refer to the family, we are referring to those that came before us, our ancestors, those that live now, and those that are yet to come. And I love the way Gugiwationgo um, equates this. He refers to those that came before us as our inspiration. Mm. And uh, he refers to us who are living in this space as those who are going through perspiration. Mm. And uh, that that is yet to come is an aspiration. And so, uh, my good say, I hope that uh, I have demonstrated to you that yes. uh, African people, you know, certainly have culturally hmm. what is the same or what is one uh, throughout the African continent. All right. I have Brother Costa on the line. He wants to speak about leadership in Africa. Brother Costa, welcome to the program. Uh, let me take the opportunity and greet the listeners of the ISFM <clears throat> and also greet uh, my elder brother. Uh, professor uh, first before I go to to the leadership can I ask the professor is it possible for the African or to decolonize the education that will be the first point and the second point uh, does he take into cognizance the fact that colonialism also plays a vital role 
on on making Africans that they don't know actually where they are coming from and where they are they are actually going. Because I think when I uh, 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 I take my focus on colonialization, religion is one of the factor. Mm. Also, education is one of the factor. Mm. Uh, will before me, I go to leadership. Will the professor uh, uh, try to elaborate on those? factors that have been mentioned. Professor, the stage is yours. Yes, sir. Uh, let, me, let me begin with the last question and uh, go to the, to the first one. Okay. Uh, the caller is absolutely correct in saying that uh, colonialism has played a huge role um, in de-Africanizing African people and westernizing them. So I fully agree with that. And secondly, he's absolutely correct in saying that uh, religion, as has been uh, recognized by Charlotte Makaeke, one of our great heroes, Esikim Kai, Franz Fanon, that um, your religion, whether it be Islam or whether it be Christianity, Christianity. Mm. Um, has been used as an instrument uh, to colonize the African people. That is a fact of life, and it has got nothing to do um, with criticizing either of the religions. But the fact is, um, these have been used as instruments of colonial, colon, colonialism. Mm. And I think that it is very important for us, um, you know, to clearly distinguish and define colonialism. Because unless we do that, um, we are going to easily fall into the trap um, of confusing it with colonization, um, which is very similar, but not the same thing. As, colo- as colonialism. And here, I understand, you know, um, colonialism as referring to the displacement mm. of people's values, cultural values, and replacing those with those that have taken over. And colonization is the physical occupation mm. of a people's land mm. uh, by, by, by the conquering people. And so, therefore, you know, um, in terms of colonialism, therefore, what it does is that uh, it has miseducated the African people. It has used education effectively uh, to destroy. In fact, I want to say miseducation as opposed to education. And so the second, the first question was then, is it possible um, to, 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 to decolonize education? And uh, my response is an unequivocal yes, that uh, indeed, you know, it not only is it possible, it is a must. We have an obligation um, to decolonize um, education. And once we have done that, not only must we, you know, uh, decolonize um, education, we must re-Africanize, you know, education by re-Africanizing. And again, I'm grateful to Amelka Cabral and uh, Petit Kanduli for having given emphasis on this. Because, you know, when we just say Africanized, sometimes there's an assumption mm. that when we, we are talking about Africanization, we want to take that which belongs to other people and make and, and, and give it an African gap. Mm. But when we speak re-Africanization, we are recognizing the fact that, you know, African people before colonialism mm. have had their own uh, kinds of systems uh, of education, which was very progressive, which was very advanced. Um, and so, therefore, when we are speaking about the re-Africanization of education, mm. we are speaking about the reclaiming 
of that uh, which was given to us by our ancestors, which was very, you know, uh, useful and which made us, you know, a people that had been able to identify and distinguish themselves as a humane people. That's why we have the philosophy of Mat uh, in ancient Kemet, and we have the philosophy of Ubuntu, um, and, uh, you know, Southern Eastern Africa, and we have what is called the IFA system yes. in the Western part yes. um, of the African continent. Okay, yes, then, sir. okay, I'm saying how then can we decolonize the education? How, how and where do we start? Oh, that's a very good one, too. Um, you know, um, you would recall that in my conversation, I spoke about the reclamation. We, we are fortunate in that there are historical records, and this is not known uh, to many of us. We, we you know we've been uh, told uh, to begin with that the African culture and African history uh, do not have historical records, that is written records. That is absolutely untrue. Um, we have remaining texts okay. um, that are of Kemet, that are as old as uh, you know, 3,500 before the common era, or what you refer to as before Christ. Mm. We have uh, the, the books, the instructions to Kagemni, mm. we have uh, the instructions uh, of uh, Mercare, we have uh, the teachings of Kapot, mm. you know. Um, we have all these that, that exist um, for us at our disposal, which, mm. um, you know, we can revisit in the people. And even in the absence of those written, you know, materials, what is oral is, um, is not inferior in any way. So our ancestors, um, you know, left us an oral history that we can refer to. And so, mm. you know, what then we do and what we must do is to retain those teachings um, of our ancestors mm. um, and begin to, to systematize them, you know, and do what needs to be done um, um, by us. And the African people in that way, we will be, you know, uh, re-Africanizing re education, decolonizing education by doing what we refer to as a reclamation of our cultural heritage. Right, so and we introduce this, and, and you know, sometimes the, the problem is that we think that we can only do this and we must do this at the levels of higher institutions. African people have got rituals. What, we, what our ancestors used to do mm. uh, long before, you know, the, the cultural uh, colonial invasion, mm. even as we do our rituals, you know, in our own own Yes. We do not explain. You know, the, there's a good practice there. Uh, where you would see um, the calabash being uh, passed around. Mm. We, we simply do this and drink whatever we drink without explaining um, to those that are around, especially the young ones, mm. that uh, by, by passing around the calabash and having people share, you mm. know, the, our ancestors were teaching us um, the importance um, of sharing, the importance of communalism as opposed to individualism that rules us in our DNA. Okay. When they would take a very small piece of meat that is not even bigger than a hen and share it amongst, amongst 20, 30, 40 people mm, that are gathered. Mm, mm, Again, mm. Um, it was an implication of the value of sharing, you know, and communalism as opposed to individualism and selfishness. Mm. So this education must not uh, and should not begin in the formal institutions of learning. It must begin right at home, so that by the time the children, you know, go into these schools, they are already um, inculcated with, with these values. 
you know. Mm. And also, um, our our other institutions that uh, they the institution of initiation, for instance, yes, um, which continues to be attacked left, right, and centre from outside and inside. Mm. It used to teach. Um, you know what it means to be a man, and a man meant to be responsible, to be caring, to be loving, to be compassionate. Mm. And also, you have in Don Dan, and 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 what it means to be a woman. Mm. You know, and so consciously, the African people educated, um, you know, where the, those that existed into what is referred to an ethical conduct. And here we are referring to character, because when we speak ethics, we are speaking character. Right. And you would again read the book by Bradford, you know, where William Bradford, um, uh, the, the, the Dawn of Conscience, which came out in 1933, um, which acknowledges openly mm. that uh, the very first people um, who wrote down and, 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 you know, we have records, who spoke about character, who spoke about ethics, were not the Greeks. Yes. It was the African people. Yes. It was in Kevin. Yes. It was in ancient Egypt. You know, there's something here about the story that came out about Google censoring um, the the tradition um, on how women dresses. Uh, for instance, we have our culture when we women um, they actually go around with. Uh, uh, na- half naked, I should say like that, uh, with breast outside. So Google actually was censoring those images as being uh, inappropriate. So what what does this no. mean? Yes. <laughs> Every culture yes. has got, has got uh, its own determination about what is appropriate or not. Mm. But in our culture, mm. you know, uh, uh, the, the having breast outside um, and, uh, and uh, demonstrating them we find nothing offensive as African people mm. about that. And so our mothers, our women generally, yes. walk around, uh, you know, bare-breasted, mm. and uh, that doesn't shock us in any way. Um, so, so then, um, you know, it's a normal thing mm. amongst us, okay. um, you know, to, to walk around bare-breasted. Okay. Um, just the same as, as for other people, you will see that uh, some other cultural groups you know, prefer to hide their breasts for mm. one reason or the other, mm. but they walk around semi-naked. We see they are their bums, mm. you know, walking around. Yes. And so, um, you know, and others prefer uh, to cover, you know, uh, their women from the shoulders right up to the to the to the, to the ankles. Yes. And so, therefore, um, what I'm saying is that um, for us as African people, mm. um, we find that normal. Okay. Um, for, 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 for women to walk around breastfed and to feed their children, you know, with their breasts in the presence of men or women. Mm. Um, and that they, and there is nothing offensive about that. All right. Michelle, what was the question? Um, the question was, I found a lot of um, um, Tosa traditional healers like Zangoma and Amakwele who actually are wearing Swati traditional wares, you know, mm. when, I, when I observe. Yes. So I do understand where that comes from, but I would like to understand from the professor in terms of like his opinion or his um, his understanding about such wares. You know, is there such something that they, sh- sir? Uh, wares such as what? Dress code such as what? Like uh, like most traditional killers or like Izangoma that I see who are closer, they actually uh-huh. wearing they actually wearing some swati traditional clothes that are not even related to um, to traditional healing or other 
you know. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I am no. Swati. So for me, it has been like a little bit awkward in terms of me wearing my um, <laughs> Swati clothes because mis- most people un- misunderstand me for being a Sangoma or someone who's traditional healer or something, you know, especially exactly. here in Eastern Cape, you know, and all uh-huh. of that. Okay. Uh-huh. That's a very good one. Yes. Um, thank you very, very much for that question. Let me begin by saying that, you know, um, you, you would hear, for instance, uh, the, 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 the clans that are referred mm. to as Amante. Mm. Now, mm. when they call themselves, they say Amante or Chambas or Lisa, Abbe Sutu, right? Mm. Yeah. And they are understood to be Isikos speaking people. Listen to Amangri or Changisa or Zulu or Storm, yeah. right? And listen to Amangosin, Amangosin or Tegoshe, or Nozinga, Abe Sutu, right? Listen to Abatembo, but he all knows you. Now, this should explain to you that, uh, in fact, Amakos, mm. as, as, as an ethnic group, are a very recent phenomenon. Um, mm. They come from, from, the, from the northern part. They come from Embo. You will find that amongst the people that are referred to Amazul, Amazul were basically a very small group until Shaka began to incorporate, to incorporate other groups and they made a larger Zulu nation. And, um, you know, you will find then that uh, the people that are called today Amandebele, who are based in Zimbabwe, historically, they are the people that, um, that have come, um, you know, from KwaZulu, and now they are in, they are in, the, in Zimbabwe. Umashwabad, Umziligan, was not originally from the Zulu, you know, uh, group. He was from another group, went to the home of Shaka, and they proceeded to have his own, you know, um, um, uh, cultural group. So the point I'm trying to make to you, sir, is that, uh, you know, many of us have in our veins as African people, you will find that some of our ancestors, as close as we are speaking as we are, mm. are from Isi Zulu-speaking group, or from Isi Zulu-speaking group of Ritwana. We basically want people who have intermarried, and uh, we have done this and that. As a result of that, you know, even if you may be an ethical speaking person now, you may find that you have some of your ancestors coming as far back as, uh, you know, from Nigeria, being the Yoruba or the Igbo. Mm. And among the Yoruba and the Igbo, they will find that they will have ancestors um, who are coming from East Africa, who are the Kikuyu or the Luo. And mm. as a result of that, our ancestors then, for those then directly speaking to your, to, your, to your traditional healers, the traditional healers have got the, the, the privilege, uh, the red privilege when they practice this, that all their ancestors reclaim them, whether, well, however far they may be from. And so we basically want people, you know, some people that, uh, you know, you go to Zambia, um, you will find that amongst the Zambian people, there are those who, are, who claim their history back, um, you know, to the south of Africa and all that. We're basically one people. Okay. Um, I think our Professor has answered your question, uh, Brother Michali. Yeah. All right. Thanks so very much. Uh, that was our Professor Simpiwa Sesanti, uh, who is an associate a professor at the